You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show AFC East today. We're almost done breaking down every division, every team's NFL draft. We are on to the AFC East Today. We went from west to east, bouncing back and forth between the NFC and the AFC. I think some really fun teams here to break down this uh, NFL draft in 2021. A fun episode at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL is where you can find Matt and myself. Get your questions in for next week's big old mailbag that we're going to have on Monday or Tuesday. Once we're done with all these draft wraps, getting pumped for the schedule release later Wednesday that we'll cover on tomorrow's program. But today, Matt, let's talk AFC East, and I guess we'll start alphabetical with those Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and I referenced the Bills yesterday when we were talking about the Bucks of what do you get a team that doesn't need anything? And I felt like the Bills draft told us, hey, I can line up right now before the draft and be a playoff team. So what are we going to do? We're going to draft a bunch of linemen. You know, we're just going to go get stuff that's hard to find and, you know, premium positions. Are, are We like to uh, bring in you know, hockey line waves anyways of pass rushers, getting a little old there, although we have used some recent picks on defensive linemen early in the draft. So let's double down and take two more, you know, defensive linemen that are edge guys but also could jump inside. And we're just going to keep this a strength and we're going to improve our pass rush. Might as well. I mean, the rich get richer, you know? You know, it was strange, and you're right. I knew they drafted a lot of big people, but I didn't notice it until when you see them listed top right, to top bottom. Four. And it's defensive end, defensive end, offensive tackle, offensive tackle. Six foot seven. <laughs> yes, they're huge. Six three, two seventy four, then six eight and six eight. That I mean, that's insane. This was absolutely the biggest draft out there, and I'm sure Dan Campbell was looking at this like, man, we thought we had a big draft uh, over here in Detroit. No, it was the Buffalo Bills who had the largest human beings drafted, and it started with Gregory Rousseau. Let's go there. Super long arms, 11-inch hands, 6'7", 266 pounds. Only played one year, was super productive with 15 and a half sacks as a freshman at Miami, then opted out last year. Uh, I don't know what to make of him as a prospect. I feel like there's a lot more there, but maybe there was some athletic testing that made teams pause and the opt-out. It's just really hard to know. Sort of a boomer bust prospect, I get the feeling here, in Gregory Rousseau. Yeah, and I, I don't think the opt-out helped his cause. Um, I do think he can go inside. He, he had a lot of sacks two years ago, but they're not super impressive sacks. I think he kind of wins with length and beat up on some bad guards and some bad teams. I didn't love him, but in this situation, as a rotation, you teach him more of a, a pass rush repertoire. Uh, I, I like it. And as you mentioned, they, they took two really big edges and then two really big tackles. You know, So they were big positions and big people for their respective positions. Absolutely. And Rousseau, one of the things I really liked about him when I watched him is, even though he was a former wide receiver and safety he was natural with his hands, and these big, long arms mm-hmm. and hands is something that's going – that's that's the way he's going to win in the NFL if he's going to win in the NFL. I don't think he's going to win off the edge necessarily right away. He's going to have to learn some technique. But he was really natural with his hands, and when he did win, he was batting people out of the way and using that length. So I think there are some natural 
pass rush ability there for him. And we'll see if he's able to build on that, see if he continues to grow and becomes more of an interior player in some respects, and or, or if he sticks and is just a big end. But an interesting player that I think the Bills are probably swinging for the fences there and, and hoping they do hit on a, on a player like that. And then in round two, they come back and get another big end. He's shaped differently, but another player who could line up in all kinds of places and maybe line up inside, line up as a big defensive end. So I think prioritizing a stout run defense while also getting some rushers that can be varied from the outside and the inside with their two first picks. Yeah, exactly. And they are a little different stylistically. You know, Basham is a high-energy power player. I think he likes to go through his opponents a little bit more. Uh, a little twitchier than Rousseau as well. But again, you know, my big theory is when in doubt, add more D-line help. I mean, on third and long, these two might be inside or next to Ed Oliver or something like that. And, you know, and you can develop them sort of slowly, rotate them in, let these two compete against one another too. So it's a good situation. Spencer Brown, the third round offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, had really great workouts. He's got this basketball build, 6'8", 311 pounds, but has all of the length and quickness, and uh, he can get out and move as well. I mean, and really was played well, had the tape to go with it at the small school level, and he's viewed as sort of a, a project. So maybe he doesn't play a lot in real one in year one, but as a third round player, potentially this guy could develop into a starting pure left tackle, which is, uh, you know, a fantastic value if you do develop that guy and he hits. But we have a lot of ifs here with uh, with a lot of size here with these players. So this could be a fantastic draft or you could get a bunch of projects that don't hit, too. Yeah, uh, but if you get a starting edge and a starting left tackle out of the mix, it's a pretty good draft for picking 30th overall and being a playoff team. And it might take time. Um, You know, Tommy Doyle's a little bit of a project, too. Both him and Brown could use a little more sand in their pants, but they're both pretty athletic. Spencer Brown's remarkably athletic. I mean, his his testing numbers are off the chart. Um, I could see Brown even early on maybe being that sixth offensive lineman, that pseudo tight end as he learns his trade. But um, all in all, I think he's a project. Both those guys are projects for another day, the two tackles. You know, now that you mention it, maybe it's interesting that they probably had Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle circle to say, like, you know, let's get one of these really athletic, long project offensive tackles and see if we can hit on one and when Tommy Doyle was still there for him in round five they thought well you know let's draft both just in case we don't hit on one of them if we hit on one of these two players we're golden here so maybe that was the thought process there let's get two guys that we that we feel similar about that have a similar profile and hopefully we hit on one yeah I mean it's pretty obvious what their their goal in this draft was there's a lot of rumblings oh they're gonna go get a running back no, they're going to get premium positions that cost a lot of money and take a couple of bites at that apple and see if they can land a starting tackle and a, an edge rusher and maybe even more, you know, and, and not to discredit their last four picks, you know, they were, they were all in the 200s or, you know, in the 200s overall. I, I don't see a ton there. You know, I think Hamlin from Pitt is a, uh, a Bills type safety, you know, a versatile guy like the, and, and Anderson's kind of a low upside guard, but it's all about the first four picks to me, and it's very obvious what they did. 
You know, looking at this draft class, I wish I could swap the names of Spencer Brown, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, and Rashad Wild Goose, the corner from Wisconsin, who they drafted in the sixth round. Doesn't Rashad Wild Goose sound like this big offensive tackle project? And Spencer Brown sounds like your standard like cornerback that's got some athleticism that you're trying to work with. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. That's a good one. I, I, Wild Goose does not seem like a corner to me. He seems like a hair on fire edge rusher or or maybe even like a Troy Polamalu. <laughs> you know, this is all over the place yes. player. You know, <laughs> Absolutely. Owasu Koromora type. This but, was like the best name draft ever, by the way. There were some really good names in this draft. Wild Goose, though, does play like his name would make you think he does as a corner. He's a competitive guy and, yep. you know, undersized, but would compete. And I think Marquez Stevenson, another undersized wide receiver in this draft with some speed, big play Stryker, guy. Yeah. And then Jack Anderson, the offensive guard from Texas Tech, is sort of you know a physical tough guy maybe not know, is yeah, what he is. not yeah. body beautiful but can come in and compete for you on the interior offensive line yeah exactly so yeah i didn't mean to discredit those last four picks but i really felt like the draft was about the first four picks uh maybe stevenson can be a john brown like guy for them so good roster boom and bust picks with oh. their first four but if they hit on half of those, I think they'll be extremely happy. And that sounds to me like not a bad way to go for the Buffalo Bills who are trying to compete for a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I think it's smart. You know, uh, and we talked about this with Tampa yesterday. Not sure what to do. Throw some linemen in the mix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's never, anything, you know? yeah, that's never a bad choice is just to go with linemen on either side of the ball if you're not sure what to do or if you are a, a new regime and you want to build the thing out, start there. Yeah, uh, you know, if you want to keep a strength of strength, draft some linemen. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So no matter what end of the spectrum you are talent-wise, draft some big people and make things easier on the little people behind them. Let's move on to the rest of the AFC East next, those Miami Dolphins. Hey, NFL fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafit, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text NOW and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. And if you're over 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. Text the word DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. The Miami Dolphins did a very interesting thing at the top of the draft, moving around twice a month before the draft started. And let me take you through this, Matt, and you tell me if I'm wrong. The 49ers call you. You're sitting at pick three. You already have your quarterback, and you're going to roll with Tua. If you were going to draft a quarterback at three, you probably would have stuck, but you're not, so you're willing to listen to phone calls. The 49ers, once they say to you, okay, we'll give you not only next year's first, but the years after first rounder, you don't really worry about where that pick is. You say, okay, put in the paperwork, let's go. Then you're yeah. at pick 12, and you think, oh, gosh, you know what? We kind of don't really want to be at 12, but we had to take that deal. Let's see if we can go up to six. Maybe we'll get one of the players we like at six. Maybe it's Pitts. Maybe it's Chase. Who knows? But let's get up to six here and give away one of those first rounders. 
But to me, what they did is they ended up giving away some of that extra value. I much rather would have had... So, to put it simply, I love the value they got moving from 3 to 12. And I thought 12, yes, was, a lot. A, and I thought 12 was a valuable place to be. Moving back up to 6, they gave away half of that value, and I like what the team that they traded with ended up with in Devontae Smith plus a first-rounder. And by the way, those Eagles went to 12, then back up to 10 to secure their wide receiver. But even if the Miami Dolphins did that and ended up with an extra first rounder and Devontae Smith, to me, that trumps Waddle. So they gave away some of the value. So I can't give them a ton of credit for the trade, even though I liked their initial trade back. So I don't know what to think now, but I do like Jalen Waddle, even though maybe a pick six felt a little high for me. Yeah. And I agree with that too. I mean, especially, I know he's only on a one-year deal, but you have Will Fuller. I mean, those guys are unbelievably fast perimeter players and Waddle does more than that. And obviously he has a relationship with Tua and this draft as many off seasons were this year are all about their young quarterbacks, you know, same we saw the same thing for Daniel Jones and a lot of these other young quarterbacks are all about making them as comfortable as possible. And Waddle is certainly a comfort blanket for Tua, I'm sure. But I think your point's right. I mean, the, the second trade wasn't as good as the first. I love the second pick in round one, though, Jalen Phillips, yeah. who, if he hits, could be more valuable even than Jalen Waddle, just because he's an edge rusher and has all the traits to be an impact guy off the edge with his flexibility and his size. The question with him isn't about his play last year at Miami. It was early in his college career at UCLA and had some concussion issues, but 6'6", 260, he's exactly what you're looking for in, uh, in a speed edge rusher in this day and age in the NFL. So if he hits, I like that for the Dolphins at 18. Yeah, and I mean, he went to the U, which is right around the corner. I don't know where they are in the city of Miami, but I would think the Dolphins have at, at least as much information about this guy as anybody else. You know, the fact that he went from Miami to Miami makes me think that they feel pretty darn confident and have all the information needed. I thought he was the best edge in this class just on tape. By a pretty wide margin, to be very honest with you. I mean, the other guys all had questions for me. I think this guy's a really good football player. And while we're talking about him, let's bring up uh, Javon Holland, too, the safety from Oregon, mm-hmm. because they only took two two defensive players. But I think both are high-impact, immediate guys, highly productive, some versatility to Holland as well. He can cover the slot. So you add two things to the defense – and then a lot of things to the offense. So I thought that was smart. I thought that's where the, the resources n- needed to be allocated this year. So we have Waddle, Phillips, and Holland. We're only 36 picks into the draft. That's early round two still. And then six picks later, another high second round pick. And uh, they did some wheeling and dealing there as well. But they ended up with Liam Eichenberg, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame at pick, I think that was 42 or 42, so yeah. yeah so in the first 42 picks they already had four selections in this draft yeah and again trading down trading tonsil and you know some of these minka deals and stuff they've always had picks in the future they still have more picks going forward um if two of flops with this stuff around them they can go get a quarterback eichenberg can play guard or tackle all those little short arm for that but somewhere on that offensive line i bet he starts really early and one thing about these Dolphin picks, all of them except for the last pick, really influence the passing game. And they're coverage guys and pass rushers. They're receivers and you know pass protectors and a tight end that can't catch the ball. I mean, this team gets it that it's about the passing game. There is – I'm trying to find – I had it saved somewhere what 
the total for that Tunsil trade has the become Tunsil now, trade, yeah. and, and I and I lost it. I can't find it anymore, but it's just it's insane. Like you could just continue, you know, with that trade down from pick three with the 49ers. The the Dolphins could turn conceivably Laramie Tunsil into you know a dozen first round picks and just stack a team for an entire generation. It's pretty insane if they continue to move down and trade and move those selections. Pretty fantastic yeah, stuff. It's crazy. And the other thing about that trade people forget too is I guess there was a done deal for Tunsil, and then Houston said, "Hey, we kind of like Kenny Stills too," and they're like, "Well, I'll throw another third and we'll do it." Wow, you did it. I can't believe they said, you know, there was a little, little extra in there for the stills pick, too. So oh, man. They, I, not, unbelievable. GMs must have loved dealing with Bill O'Brien because he was just, exactly. he would have his mind set on something. What's the price? Okay, I'll pay, I'll it. pay it. The the David Johnson stuff, too, with the Cardinals and that trade and oh, sending. The Hawkins and, trade oh, was so bad. It's, it's pretty amazing what... Uh, what happened there with the Houston Texans and they paid for it. And we did talk about that team. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins hall that continues here in the 2021 draft. They didn't have any fourth, fifth or sixth rounders. They had a third rounder Hunter long tied in from Boston college, then came back with two sevenths Larnell Coleman from UMass an offensive tackle who goes about six, six, 315 pounds. I know nothing about. And then, uh, Jared Dokes running back from Cincinnati, who I also know nothing about a bigger back six feet, two thirty. Yeah, and I think Long will play right away. I mean, he's kind of like Friermuth to me as one of the true throwback two-way tight ends, both for the feature receiver in their offense. Uh, the Dolphins have some tight ends, but I think he'll be in the mix. Coleman's an upside tackle. Perfect. I mean, that's what seventh-rounders are all about, developmental player. Uh, the, their line still needs a lot of work to me. And you mentioned Dokes. Really bowling ballish, you know, very physical power runner, with all respect to Gaskins, I mean, I know it's a seventh-round pick, but there's not a whole lot in front of the guy. I mean, he could be that the injury away that we pick him up in week eight in fantasy, and he has some good weeks for you. And I know some folks projected maybe even a first-round running back for the Dolphins, and they didn't touch a running back until round seven, and I kind of like it. I kind of like where they went with that. Draft yourself an edge rusher. Don't draft a running back at 18. So for that, I give them an extra little bonus point for that Miami Dolphins draft. Let's move to their rival New England Patriots up north who ended up with Mac Jones at pick 15. No trade-ups, nothing. Just sat back at 15, got the Alabama quarterback, then doubled up at Alabama with Christian Barmore in round two. Actually moved up to get him from Cincinnati's pick, the sixth selection in round two. What are your thoughts there on the first two Alabama players in Mac Jones and Christian Barmore? It's a pretty nice haul for the first two selections for uh, the Patriots, even though I wasn't super high on Mac Jones, hearing the the stuff that he could go as high as three, and that I think it was, I can't remember who the insider was who said his floor was pick eight earlier on in the process, but getting him at 15 starts to feel like a bargain, even though it was a little higher than I thought he should go even to start the process. But then Barmore in round two, it's a solid one too there. Yeah, it is. I mean, back-to-back Bama guys followed by back-to-back Oklahoma guys makes me think Bill had a couple spots in the college ranks that he trusted, and he was going to hit them hard in a weird year. And Mac Jones is a perfect example of that, you know, that uh, I'm sure Saban gave him a ringing endorsement. We've This, this one kind of writes its own story. You know, we've seen right. this style of quarterback be extremely successful under Josh McDaniels and Belichick. And, I mean, he's always going to be compared to Manning, but that's his style of play. Barmore's a high upside guy, you know, that they'll move, I'm sure, all over the interior of their defensive line. I bet they get a lot out of him. He had some inconsistencies, but to me, he was definitely the best defensive tackle prospect. 
Absolutely, yeah. So the value there, and I understand wanting to go get him early in round two out of Alabama. So trusting Nick Saban, back-to-back Alabama guys to start it. And I think Mac Jones got in a nice spot, not only with a good coaching staff, but he got to have a buffer too because the guy that follows Tom Brady was going to have a really tough job, and I don't think you want to throw that onto a rookie. But now you get a season or two of Cam Newton in between Tom Brady and your era. If there is a Mac Jones era, I think that helps take a little bit of the heat off replacing someone like like Tom Brady, who he was compared to in the pre-draft. Right. And obviously very different than Cam Newton. I'm curious, you know, is it going to be more of a Jones system or a Newton system, Mm -hmm. you know, and and how how that transition happens as they try to win now, but also prepare for tomorrow? Or is Jones just the opening day starter? I don't know. I'm interested to see how that transaction goes, that transition. Then back to back Oklahoma prospects at. Pick 33 in round three, defensive end from Oklahoma, pass rusher Ronnie Perkins. Love the value there. Then Ramondre Stevenson, the running back out of Oklahoma in round four. Uh, Really like the Perkins value there. I even saw some folks try to push him up into the round one area. Undersized rusher, 6'3", 253, but he's pretty good and has some good tape, even though he's a little stubbier rusher than you would like coming off the edge. Not bad value there for old Bill and the Patriots. Yeah, they've drafted... Several of these guys lately, you know, the the undersized, versatile, tough, hard-playing Uche, Winovich, you know, these type of guys the last couple of years. Perkins fits that mold, you know, very, very well. Not a – doesn't look like the Marcus Ware, you know, I mean, he doesn't look like Alden Smith, but he's a good football player that does a lot. If they have a rotation there of those smaller edge guys, I like that quite a bit. And Ramonte Stevenson isn't – it doesn't wow you, but I think he's a better receiver than people think. I think he fits the system really well. I'm not so sure that he doesn't only unseat Sony Michelle. He might even go past Harris as their number one back before long. Mm, not that he's great, okay. but I think he, he, he's a, a fantasy sleeper for me. So what you're saying is Ramon J. Stevenson's going to end up on some of Matt Williamson's dynasty teams? Uh, he already did. I've had one okay. dynasty draft, and I took him – Earlier than I think people expected him to go. Cameron McGrone, a fifth round inside backer from Michigan who's young and has some burstiness to his game. Athletic off-ball linebacker, but some injury history as well. Joshua Bledsoe, safety from Missouri in round six. Another six-rounder, William Sherman from Colorado, offensive tackle. And then Trey Nixon, UCF wide receiver to finish it out. Matt, your thoughts on those later picks? Yeah, I'll be very honest. I don't know a ton about the last three picks, Bledsoe, Sherman, Nixon. Uh, McGrone took over the um, uh, Devin Bush role in Michigan. Very active, tested well, highly aggressive. I I saw, uh, don't quote me on this, but I, I got a blurb yesterday or today that he either tore his ACL, you know, or they just found out it was torn. I think he's going to miss his whole rookie year. There's some injury news about him, and he had an injury history too. So uh, McGrone might not be for this year. Interesting. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. worse than expected there with McGrone's injury history. But it's all, you know, I mean, the, the draft is always a gamble. And when you throw injuries into the mix, it just makes it even more of a crapshoot. So, uh, sure. He was a fifth-round pick, though, so it wasn't like they drafted him in round two or anything like that. Athletic traits, we'll find out how that draft ends up for the Patriots, but I thought at least picks one through four were pretty darn solid. Very solid, very solid. And the positions they could use, you know, two people up front on defense, 
the running back position has been okay, but they're going to run the ball a lot. And it's going to be the Mac Jones draft. I mean, there's no question around that. We'll finish it up with one of my top three drafts in the entire league next, the New York Jets. Now that the NFL draft is over, you can go find win totals at betonline.ag. How did teams improve? Do you think a certain team's chances to win the Super Bowl next year have changed? Win some money on it at betonline.ag. They've also got some fresh odds on Offensive Rookie of the Year. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, second, tied with Trey Lance. Kind of like Zach Wilson at 7-1. to one. Kyle Pitts, 11-1 to one on the defensive side for Rookie of the Year next season. Micah Parsons leads that at 4-1. to one. Jalen Phillips, 7-1. to one. J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan at 10-1, to one, along with Zayvon Collins. And the second rounder, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, one of the steals of the draft, in my opinion, 12-1 to one odds. NBA, NHL, Major League, Baseball, Table Games, Poker. All you got to do to get involved in the action is head to the website at betonline.ag or the mobile app. Use promo code LOCKEDON when signing up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor like jalapeno? Recently, if you find that one, give it a shot. I was pleasantly surprised. Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter is my favorite, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, raspberry, some of the classic flavors there, and they're filtering through new flavors all the time. Something for everyone. And as we know from the Built Bar bracket, some passionate fans about their favorite flavors. Not only are Built Bar the best tasting protein bars on the market, they're healthy too. We're talking 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of sugar. You can find a flavor that satisfies you or build your own box of Built Bars and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Matt, I love what the New York Jets have been doing the last few years. Joe Douglas is somebody that I've given high grades to since he took over following the two, uh, there was the 2019 draft. He did not draft that year, but he took over before the season started, I believe, as the GM officially. So last year was his first draft. This is his second go around. Right. I love the haul they got last year. And this year, when you consider that they didn't have to trade up for their quarterback like the 49ers and Bears did, I think you have to factor that into them selecting Zach Wilson at two, even if you had Wilson and Lance and Fields all very tight, and you could argue any of them as being the second-best quarterback in this class. Uh, I think you have to grade it on a curve that they didn't have to trade up to get their guy in Zach Wilson, and they had the choice of all of those guys at pick two. Elijah Vera Tucker, I'm thinking when they made this deal, you trading up for a guard, but they didn't give up that much. They didn't have to give up a future first or anything like that to go from 23 all the way up to number 14. So the value on the trade wasn't that bad, and Elijah Vera Tucker could be a 10-year starter for you at left guard to protect that player you just drafted number two overall. And I'm going to lump their third selection that was very high in round two Pick 34 overall, Elijah Moore, dynamic wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Uh, I love those first three picks, and for that, I mean, I think those are cornerstone players that are going to be around in New York for a while. We'll see if Zach Wilson ends up being the guy, but if he is, this is a home run draft. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're cornerstone players to make Wilson's life easier. I mean, Moore can uh, more the Moore pick is my favorite. I, I think he's a star. I think he can do a lot for a quarterback in, in the line all over the formation. 
Um, you, you mentioned, you know, trading up for a guard, but it wasn't that much to give up. And boy, I just look at Vera Tucker next to Mekhi Becton and think Hutchinson next to Walter Jones, you know, like that type of thing. Like on third and one, we're running behind these two and we're going to put it up on the scoreboard. We're doing it and you're not going to stop it anyway. You know, just get, you know, get uh, Zach Wilson out of tough situations. But, you know, don't have to worry about his blind side. I like that quite a bit. I mean, those first three picks are all about the first pick, you know, making his life easy. If I had to quibble with anything the Jets did is they drafted one too many Michael Carters. They drafted (laughs) Michael Carter, the running back out of North Carolina, I really like as a passing down back. I think he's a nice fit there for the Shanahan-style offense that Mike LaFleur will be running for the New York Jets, and then Michael Carter II, a safety out of Duke, who I didn't know a lot about. I didn't even realize, to be honest with you, that there was two Michael Carters in this draft. I might have passed over the Duke safety because I thought he was the same guy as the North Carolina running back pre-draft. I hope they get in a fight in camp. <laughs> One guy has to change his name. Back on backers type of thing. Yeah, I hope they have you know, Duke versus North Carolina. Uh, I mean, Oh, I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, the basketball rivalry, the ACC thing, you know, Michael Carter battle in camp. I, I like the running back Carter. I, I mean, I know the, the corner Carter is fine. Um, they need corners. I think he's going to be a slot. They took Jason Pinnock from uh, Pinnock from Pitt right after that. And a lot of actually had four defensive backs in a row between one, 154 overall and 200 overall. I think they're throwing a lot of things at the, at the board, at the corner position to see what sticks, you know, the safety from Florida state's more of a, a box linebacker, but they did draft three corners pretty much in a row hoping something sticks. That position really worries me for them still. But I think the back Michael Carter, Austin Eckler is a rich comparison, but I think he could do some of those things. He's Mm -hmm. a zone runner, really good receiver, also very Zach Wilson friendly, you know, dumping it to him in the slot, Mm -hmm. you know, getting him one-on-one on linebackers, some easy throws. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love everything they did there and they didn't get a high impact defensive back. So they just threw a bunch of picks at it and hopefully they hit, you know, hopefully the numbers game works out for them. I like Bryce Hall. They drafted last year, Marcus may, it sounds like they don't expect may to be back after the franchise tag, right? Because they're putting a lot of resources in the safety. They drafted Ashton Davis out of Cal last year too. So they've got a a full house when it comes to defensive backs and all different shapes of sizes and skill sets. Yeah, five of them in a row, you know, two safeties, three corners. Um, So, uh, again, I think they're just throwing late-round picks at that. And we've seen a few teams take that approach. If they didn't get a premium corner, let's just throw a bunch at them and see what happens. Uh, My favorite pick of the draft, actually, well, maybe not. I really like the Moore pick. But their last pick, Jonathan Marshall, is a very good athlete that was kind of used wrong at Arkansas. They were kind of asked them to do more nose type of things i think he'll be a good robert salah you know penetrating interior guy he's gonna make that team and make an impact mark that one down okay jonathan marshall that's interesting i did not have a scouting report on him and the 6'3 310 pounds maybe that's why he was miscast at arkansas you'd think well there's your nose tackle but maybe he's got a little bit more juice than that i think he does i think he does i think he fits the system much more than has to be nose-ish obviously this all revolves around zach wilson hitting if zach wilson hits and this draft is as good, mixed with last year's draft that I thought was great, and they got their coaching staff right. How long will it take for the Jets to be the cream of the crop in this division and compete for a division title? Ooh, it's a tough one because this is not an easy division. I mean, 
Miami's getting better in a very quick manner and adding on they're at least a year ahead of the Jets in a similar style rebuild, you know, a lot of picks and, you know, rebuilding and the, to- the total infrastructure, but they're ahead of the Jets in that regard. And the Bills, they're not going away. I mean, we talked about them fortifying their lines. I really feel like this is their division for a while and a well-coached team. And you can never count the Patriots out. So it's going to be an uphill climb, but I like what the Jets are doing. I probably should have rephrased that question and said, uh, how long before the Jets aren't in last place in that division anymore? Which is still not easy to do. I might even say, how long until the Jets are back to respectability? And I can say maybe this year. Yeah, okay. That's a, that's a big jump from where they've been. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. You're right. And there's so many people that are like, well, it doesn't matter who the Jets draft because they're going to ruin him with that quarterback at number two. I'm they can't get it right. Yeah. And I don't know if it's that team anymore. It's a different I DM. So. It's a different coaching staff. I have some faith. I do too. I think it's being built the right way there. And I've been on that you know, fishing lure before. But I have faith in what they're doing. Doesn't mean they're going to be ten and seven or playoff team. I mean, they got an uphill climb, but I think they're being built properly. Fantastic stuff. That is the AFC East. We've got one more division. We'll finish it up Friday with the NFC East tomorrow. Maybe have some time for some of your questions. So hit me at BD Peacock, Matt. You can find at Williamson NFL. We're on Twitter. That's the only way you can contact us to get involved in. One of our mailbag shows, we'll do a big mailbag show next week after we're done with all the draft wraps, talk a little bit about the new schedule release Thursday morning as well. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.